0: Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. In this episode, you're going to meet a remarkable young woman. When I first met Twisha Bockery, I was impressed by her self-assured nature, her generous personality, and her fabulous sense of humour. So I wasn't all that surprised to find out that she was studying a master's in marketing and international business at Griffith University. It seemed about the right fit. Twisha is the kind of person who leaves a lasting impression, not only through her outgoing personality, but also through her ability to effortlessly connect with anyone she meets. And in the marketing business, those are the kinds of traits that allow you to win people over and succeed. Yet this is a young woman who, up until a few years ago, lacked self-confidence and whose social life was limited to a very small circle of friends. So what changed And how did Twisha discover her marketing mojo? Well, part of the answer lies in social media, that much maligned 21st century communication phenomenon that's supposed to make us less connected to the real world. But that couldn't be further from the lived experience in Twisha's case. Not only did social media help Twisha to personally flourish, it also provided a blueprint for her career. W welcome to the podcast that I've been trying to get you I've been trying to get you in the studio for so long now. Why have you been such a difficult guest?
1: Um, I'm so sorry I'm glad I'm here now. <laughs> I'm glad you're here now. Well it just makes it even better now that we're finally doing it.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's a good thing. Not that you have an aversion to podcasts, as far as I know, but the timing just, just wasn't yet. right. You're might, a very busy person, might aren't be you?
1: After this, now. <laughs> <laughs> I am a, a very busy person.
0: So, tell me about your busy life. You're doing a double masters.
1: Yes, um, I do a master of marketing and a master of international business at Griffith University.
0: And you're enjoying that.
1: I am. I'm the biggest marketing nerd you'll ever meet. Is that right? <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I'm keen to explore mm-hmm. that. But before we get there. Tell me about all the other things that you do in your life outside of that double master's degree.
1: Okay, I do a couple million things. So primarily, one of my favourite things at the moment is being a mayor student ambassador. So it takes up a lot of my time, but I really enjoy it. I also work for a Bonnie electorate as an assistant electorate officer. So doing a bit of the marketing and media things there. I'm also managing the marketing services for Headspace Southport and Headspace Upper Coomera, a lot of social media work. And I do social media specialty content creation for Griffith Sport. And I volunteer for the Gold Coast Youth Service. So particularly the Gold Coast Youth foyer. And I just mentor a couple young people there.
0: And you also have a very active social life, which is all over your social media accounts, mm-hmm. certainly Instagram. Yes. And I wonder where you find the time to do all of this. It's quite phenomenal, really.
1: Um, I do also surprise myself in how I squish <laughs> things into my, um, my little plate. But the social media thing, it's very important for me to, I guess, stay active because it's what I reflect to companies as well.
0: In fact, social media was the reason you got into marketing in the first place, wasn't mm. it?
1: Yes, it was. Tell me
0: about that, your early foray into social media.
1: I actually do have a private account or a second account that I kind of just use for just fun content creation. And that just started off as like a stress relief type thing for me. So what I did for fun or when I was bored or things like that. But then it really took off, got quite popular, that account.
0: Is this Instagram or Facebook? Yes, Instagram. Cool. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. Um, got very, very popular and started taking up a lot of my time to the point it slightly became a job. So I've kind of leaned off of that for a little bit for now. But that was one of my favourite little, I guess, side projects. And I didn't realise social media was an aspect of marketing until I'd mentioned this to um, an employer before and that was pretty much instantly what got me the job. It was the fact that I can run a social media page so successfully.
0: Extraordinary. So you had this interest in social media without even realising that it was A, a very, very powerful marketing tool Mm -hmm. and B, that that might actually lead to a career. So tell me about this account and why you think it took off. Because you didn't expect it to, did you? (laughs) No,
1: I thought it was just going to be me and my mum. Our own little private universe. (laughs) So anyone who knows me, I crack a lot of jokes. I like to be a little bit funny and make people smile. And it was kind of just like some jokes I verbally say to people. It's kind of done on like a, I guess, a content created way. So, people can visualize it, or you add some videos, make it more a bit meme ish. And I guess a lot of people could relate to my jokes or my clownery.
0: <laughs> so, it was just you goofing off, basically. Yeah. And people love that. Yeah.
1: I used to also tie it around once I saw how popular it was getting. So, again, this was marketing before I knew I was doing it. Um, I used to tie it around popular events like Christmas or Easter, and I'd make relevant content for that. Or um, things like that.
0: Relevant or inappropriate?
1: Relevant. Never (laughs) inappropriate because on social media you'll get targeted in different ways.
0: (laughs) You will. So Mm. give me an idea of like the kind of jokes, the kind of goofing off that you were doing.
1: Mm, A lot of it was related to student lifestyle. So I basically attracted a large student audience that could basically feel my pain (laughs) or my trauma.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Surely you're not talking about your lifestyle at Griffith University.
1: Oh, no. This was my early high school days. In Townsville? Yes, so I was very active on this page for about three or four years, so as I made the transition from year 11 till about second or third year of university.
0: So I've just thrown Townsville in there, which seems uh, like <laughs> a, a strange kind of tangent, but mm-hmm. in reality, you've had this unusual trajectory in your life because you're born in Mauritius. Yes. But you didn't live there very long, did you?
1: No, moved to England when I was very young.
0: Why did your family move to England?
1: I think it must have been my mum exploring career opportunities. Mauritius is a very good holiday destination, but I don't know if I'd be able to live there in terms of, now that I know a few like economic aspects, I probably would struggle. So I'm very grateful that my mum made efforts to move.
0: It's basically tourism, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Not much yeah. else. Yeah. So you don't remember much of Mauritius or have you been back a few times?
1: Um, we usually go back every three-ish years. It is quite expensive to visit Mauritius, but also just because of like my mum works and I go to school and there's just different factors. But for every few years that I do go, I have the very like holiday experience. Like it's very much a holiday for me.
0: Still got a lot of family there?
1: Yes, Half my family lives in Mauritius and the other half lives in England. And now
0: here you are in Australia.
1: I know. (laughs) So Mauritius
0: is an interesting place because, you know, the French colonised it and then the Indians have been there and, of course, there's a lot of Africans there. Mm -hmm. What's your family heritage? Or is it a mix of everything?
1: I think it might be a mix. We also have lots of Portuguese and Dutch influence in Mauritius because they were early on with the British. And I'm not too sure about my family heritage, but I think it is a bit of a combination.
0: Is that why you can speak so many languages?
1: No I think um I think I actually got the language skill through just watching lots of TV
0: a <laughs> <laughs> bad language skills
1: um so I love watching SBS shows or <laughs> dramas in other languages and I used to get tired of reading subtitles so I think I just started picking up patterns in languages and that's how I started learning
0: really well, not formal just by watching just foreign.
1: And um, people who speak lots of languages may know that at certain points you'll start seeing patterns in between different languages too. So knowing French has helped me know a bit of Vietnamese because there's patterns in there.
0: Look, I see patterns when people are speaking Italian. They're waving their hands around (laughs) frantically all the time, but it doesn't help me learn the language. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They speak very quickly. Mm -hmm. Way too fast for me. Okay, so at a tender young age, your family packed up and moved to the UK. Sorry about that. Which part of the UK? Um,
1: so I lived in Gravesend, um, which is a bit more on the countryside, so near Kent area. Nice. I yes. know Kent. But that's beautiful. But um, we spend most weekends in London, which is where the rest of my family lived.
0: Which isn't very far from Kent. No. It's
1: yeah. about, well, one hour drive maybe. Yeah. A long way
0: in the UK, but, mm. you know. In Australia it feels like that's nothing. That's It's down the road. <laughs> that's yeah. like
1: a 10 minute drive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in beautiful rural Gravesend, you said? Mm-hmm. What was your life like there growing mm-hmm. up?
1: It's surprising to hear now, but I was very quiet and very reserved in England. No. (laughs) I didn't speak to anyone, actually. I think I could go days without speaking at school. It's
0: because there was no one around (laughs) living in relative isolation.
1: I think it's just, um, I don't know, I think England maybe wasn't the best place for my personality. I think it might also be the weather and just, I feel like I thrive a little bit in the sunshine. (laughs) I think we all do. (laughs) Yeah, I was just, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't really have friends. So that's why I enjoyed my weekend trips to London because my cousins were like my everything. And for Mauritian people, family is everything anyways. So like, that's all I really needed. My mum, my sister and my cousins. I still could remember really happy times. But compared to my life now where I'm very like social with my friends and they're my family circle... In England, I can't really say that I made those really strong friendships or that I was quite young in terms of expressing myself.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what triggered that? Was it just the change of environment when you moved to Australia?
1: I remember moving to Australia and the very first day, within the first week, I had to go to school and I was very nervous. I was very introverted. But the moment I stepped into that class... Everyone was so happy to meet me and talk to me and ask about England, and I just felt very accepted and welcomed. And everyone's so smiley here. <laughs> In England, you smile at someone and they they just frown at you, <laughs> like why are you smiling? Oh, gee, mm. and yeah, no you here didn't enjoy is, it. It's very like very accepting towards me yeah. and say.
0: And when you moved here with your mum and your sister, it was Townsville. Yes. Why Townsville?
1: Townsville. Oh gosh, um, <laughs> so I think this was after I think a cyclone that happened in Australia or some type of natural disaster but there was like a nursing crisis and so really they were recruiting nurses from overseas to just help rural areas I guess meet that demand and I guess my mum was just like yep Townsville. I did ask her, actually. I was like, of all the places in this wonderful country, I'm not too sure why you picked Townsville, because you're a city girl too. And um, she's like, to be honest, I didn't know what Townsville was. She thought it was something like Sydney. or (laughs) So um, when she got on the plane, we'd never been on small domestic flights before. We've only done international flights. I asked the flight attendant, she's like, where are we going? Like, why is the plane so small? And she's like, when we flew over, she could... Just see like dirt. And she's like, um, (laughs) we may (laughs) be in the wrong place.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't a culture shock?
1: It was a culture shock, just in terms of like even public transport or the heat was the biggest thing that I struggled with.
0: Well, humidity, I would think, Mm, but yeah. yeah. Um, But it wouldn't be that different to Mauritius, would it?
1: Well, Mauritius, I guess I'm okay with it because I'm surrounded by beaches. But, like, in Townsville, it's just you and the heat. <laughs>
0: Does your mum like Townsville? She's still up there, isn't she?
1: She is. I think she enjoys more of the, like, relaxed lifestyle compared to England. Like, even countryside England is still very, very busy. Everything's happening always. But in Townsville, it's kind of like Christmas happens and the rest of the year like like, empty. Crickets.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I think
1: she just enjoys that relaxed energy, I guess.
0: What brought you to the Gold Coast? You graduate from high school and then you decide that you want to come here? Why? Yes.
1: Number one, I wanted to get out of Townsville. (laughs) But to anyone listening, though... um,
0: From far north Queensland, (laughs) lovely place.
1: (laughs) If anything, I'm so grateful for Townsville because it has helped me develop into who I am today. And maybe if I didn't move to Townsville, I wouldn't be as confident as I am today. And everyone there is so friendly, or at least they were to me. And so I really... Like, that is a very core part of my memory. And maybe I'd want my kids to visit there one day just to experience the culture that I did. But... I wanted to get out because I know I am more of a city girl. I'm going to have big plans of being this big business individual and I just didn't see myself growing into that in Townsville. And so um, everyone from my school really moved to Brisbane. My sister was already on the Gold Coast. She was studying at that time. I had applied for different scholarships everywhere, but financially it didn't make sense for me to go to Sydney and pay for housing while my sister was living here. So I decided to come to Griffith. And they were offering a lot of double degrees, which was something very new to me. And I was like, why do one when you can do two?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Glutton for punishment. (laughs) Yeah. Would you call yourself an overachiever?
1: I would call myself not an overachiever, but... What's the word for it? Someone who likes achievement. Is that overachiever?
0: Not necessarily. You're certainly very determined. Like we Mm -hmm. talked about how busy you are Mm -hmm. and how active you are in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what it is that's driving you to do that.
1: Number one, I don't like to stand still at any point. I always have to be busy. I'm not sure why. (laughs) We'll expand on that another
0: day. Um, I'm hoping you can sit down here at least for another 20 (laughs) minutes to share the rest of your story.
1: I think it's because... My mum is a single mum, and she struggled a lot to buy me things, to bring me places, and I've never been disadvantaged in any sense. Like, I've always had the best clothes. I've always had the best things. I've seen amazing places. She's taken me on amazing holidays. I've never really felt any lack of anything in my life, and I think I just want to make it into a really big position so that she can retire comfortably, and she can just be like, I tried hard, and it paid off in the end.
0: You're doing so, it for your mum.
1: Yeah, of course. She's my best friend.
0: Is she? Yeah. Yeah, Not your sister?
1: No, no. My mom is my best friend. I FaceTime her for hours every day. Literally, I I don't think I go a day without speaking to my mom, even to the point that sometimes she doesn't pick up the phone and she's like, don't you have friends? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Mummy, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) That's very sweet. Very, very attached to my mom.
0: Well, (laughs) the thing is you do have friends. You have a lot of friends Mm -hmm. here. You have a very wide social circle of friends here.
1: I do have a very wide
0: social circle. So you found a very similar experience on the Gold Coast to what you found in Townsville? People very welcoming, Um, accepting of you?
1: I'm not sure if I would say that. Now I say yes because I'm well immersed in different social circles. I'm known through a couple of different people. But when I first came to the Gold Coast, it was very different to what I experienced in Townsville. People were still open and nice, but I think I just struggled to fit into the Gold Coast culture a little bit I'm not sure why. I think it was just a different environment and I was still adjusting to uni. And uh, my first two years here, I didn't really do much. kind of just went to uni. I didn't have really close friends, but I still was pretty, like, social. I just came home and just watched TV, which helped my languages. (laughs) It did help my language learning.
0: So you did watch (laughs) SPS. Something just came to me that one of your many friends divulged to me, so I just Mm -hmm. need to ask you this before we go any further. Mm -hmm. This particular friend told me that uh, in Mauritius, You have another name, which is not your given name, not any (laughs) name whatsoever, just a name that people only use in social circles in Mauritius. Mm. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is correct. I know exactly what friend you're talking about, (laughs) and he will be in trouble after
0: this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, In Mauritius, it's kind of, how would I translate it, like your family name? So um, it's not on any of my birth certificate or, like, it wouldn't be on any of my official documents. My official name is Twisha. But if you ever came with me to Mauritius, you would not hear anyone calling me Twisha at all.
0: What do they call you?
1: Ah, uh, should I? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you must, you okay, must.
1: so my Mauritian family name is Mansi.
0: Mansi? Yeah. Who gives you that name, your mum or...?
1: Yeah, it's just like a family lovey-dovey name. Like, you know, everyone calls you that because of affection. And everyone in Mauritius, or at least... So we have like different types of Mauritians. So in my type of Mauritian culture, all of my family like they'll have their family name, and then they'll have their like we call it paper name, so government name.
0: Okay, your official name. Mm-hmm, yes. Interesting. Everyone has a Mauritian name, but what do you call that name? It's not your Christian name, or it's is just, it a nickname? You call it no. What no, do you it's call just it?
1: called um, in Mauritius. Is just called your name, and then the other name. So the, the one I use Twisher, that's called my government or official name.
0: Okay. It's very strange, Fascinating. It yeah. is interesting. Yeah. How similar is the Gold Coast lifestyle slash climate to Mauritius?
1: Similar in certain ways in terms of lots of heat <laughs> and the beaches are so beautiful here, but the beaches are quite different. In Mauritius, we just have still beaches. If you see any form of wave, it means that a cyclone is coming.
0: <laughs> Start running.
1: Yeah. So when I came to Australia, I'm particularly the gold coast i went to surfers and i've been to burley and i see these massive like waves i was like why are people swimming there's an earthquake or something coming <laughs> yeah, right. um, and I of course you wouldn't have had that in yeah, townsville
0: because of the reef but yeah, yeah
1: i'd never really seen waves like that before and so that was very interesting but i think it's just the heat that's just very very similar and the rain recently. In Mauritius, we have torrential rain seasons. And the rain here recently has been matching that.
0: Very out of character for the Gold Coast. Mm. And also, obviously, both big tourism destinations as well.
1: Yes, mm. we love a good tourism. <laughs> um, in Mauritius, um, they tend to charge tourists more than locals. Although being Mauritian, I dress a different way. And they can definitely tell that I'm from international base
0: you tell me that mancy has her own look on the streets of Mauritius is that right
1: <laughs> oh she looks a little dodge out there not gonna lie <laughs> I also speak with like a bit of an accent when I speak even Creole which is the Mauritian language and so my cousins always tell me not to speak or they <laughs> make me wait in the car just so we don't have to pay more and then I come in <laughs> later <laughs> my, Such mom's, an embarrassment. my mom's even worse because she's the most Mauritian out of my family but she does not look Mauritian at all so we just have to hide her She's a local, but she doesn't look like it.
0: (laughs) Ah, you Mauritians have funny customs. What do you like most about the Gold Coast?
1: What do I love most about the Gold Coast? I think the opportunities it has given me. Again, I'm very, I guess, opportunity-driven, and I want to make the most out of my youth (laughs) as I can, especially, like, as I transition into the working lifestyle because I feel like now is when I can kind of do what I want and get away with it, whereas when I start, like, formally working then maybe I wouldn't be able to do all of this.
0: You're doing a double master's in business mm-hmm. and marketing, international business yes. and marketing, I beg yeah. your pardon. Where do you see this taking you?
1: So marketing, I've always wanted to be a manager of something. I just feel like <laughs> managers are so cool. <laughs> it's just,
0: just like marketing. bossing people around.
1: <laughs> I guess it's just being the one that fixes things or like... See, that's another thing. We'll unwrap another day.
0: (laughs) No, I've got all the time in the world. You just keep talking.
1: (laughs) And just helping people. I really do like helping people. But I took marketing in my bachelor's as kind of something to fill another major. Things like accounting or commerce or business law really wasn't speaking to me. And I saw marketing. I was like, why not? Gave it a shot. Took an internship at Headspace. And really found my passion for marketing there. It really just drove me forward to pursue so many different marketing opportunities. I got really interested in marketing really fast. And once I realized what I'd been doing already, kind of wove into that. It was like a light bulb moment in my brain. I was so happy that I found it. Because I was kind of lost. Like I always wanted to do business. But business is such a broad term. What are you going to do in business? I never knew. But when I found that, it was amazing. And I'd actually met a teacher at Griffith and he changed my perspective on international business. He used to be an international business consultant, and he's worked in so many different countries, and it basically just helps advise businesses where they can invest. But in order to do that, you have to experience the culture of whatever country you're recommending, and just being able to immerse myself in different cultures, learn different languages or the way they act, that really resonates with me because I've done it my whole life. I've moved around. So I want to transition into that international business aspect too.
0: This is the long-term plan. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Marketing along the way, giving you all of that expertise. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Headspace and also the fact that you love helping people. Yes. It's kind of a double whammy there, isn't it? Because Headspace Mm -hmm. obviously has people's mental health at heart as an organization. Yes. But you said it wasn't necessarily about that. It was actually where you really found your feet Mm -hmm. from a marketing sense. Mm -hmm. In what way? How did that work?
1: In terms of Headspace, they really appreciated my social media expertise already, Um, but also it helped me understand that marketing is more than just like campaigns and advertisements. It's also um, event planning, um, PR, communications, media work, even engaging with people at events that we host. I found out that marketing was so much more than what I thought it was. I thought it was literally just an ad in the newspaper because I didn't know marketing before that. And once I started having to plan like events or giveaways or things like that, I just loved like how creative and open I could be. And Headspace, I'm so forever grateful. They've given me the flexibility and the resources to basically follow that creative lead, I guess. And It's really it's worked in my best interest,
0: and you're still there now.
1: I still am there. Yes, they Impressive. can't get rid of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, am I correct in saying you also work for a local politician? Is that correct? Yes,
1: um, that does tie in with helping people. I'm not political at all, which is very <laughs> ironic. Um, but
0: so, why work for a politician?
1: Because this is going to sound very cheesy, and you're really like, "Twisha, stop!" But it's <laughs> it's actually what I do day to day in the office is help people. We have some people come in regarding, like, concerns they may have and it's my job to help direct them in the right way or help pass through their concerns to the right departments or things like that. In terms of, like, a media or marketing or PR role, if this politician goes out and does something or, like, advertising this to the community, that this is happening, that there is actions being made to help you and just giving people that sense of hope. You know, some days, I do have difficult days and everyone does have difficult days, but sometimes we get phone calls of people just just almost in tears, like thanking you, and all I've done is, I don't know, send an email or something, and it makes you feel really awesome about helping that one person who thought that there was no one there. So I know it's going to sound like those really cheesy campaigns, but I'm not political, but I'm really grateful for the office I work for because I feel like before I didn't understand politics, and I probably still don't, but seeing the work that he does and that I help him do... Even in my short time, I feel like I've helped a few people.
0: Without naming this politician, Mm -hmm. and you say you're not political, but let's say this particular politician, Mm -hmm. theoretical this is, (laughs) did something that you didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. How would that impact the way you see that politician? Because, you know, politicians are are never going to please everyone all the time and they can often make controversial decisions or support a cause that you are totally against. Mm -hmm. How would you deal with that? How would you cope with that?
1: I think in my sense, I can really switch my emotions on and off, basically. Um, I've had to do it different times through different campaigns I've done. It's, it doesn't have to be really a cause I've supported or a business model that I've really resonated with, but I've, at the end of the day, I've had to do it. And I probably would still keep working there, but it would maybe impact how happy I felt in the role and maybe if I stayed on for any longer so far this politician hasn't done anything like that but if they were to I'd probably have to reassess but again they're very open into understanding how I feel about different things and they always ask me if I'm okay with this so I feel as though if I said something was making me feel uncomfortable they would help me navigate away from it
0: you said you're not political so how did you end up in a job like that
1: That is a very good question. I'm good at Um. asking good questions. It's my job. So I'm quite known in terms of like the things I do in marketing. I'm very grateful to have done a couple big campaigns and people have shared my name to other businesses who then share my name. So networking is super duper important. If anything, just talking to people has helped me. And so I've maintained a position at Headspace for a while now, um, especially the work with the government, Department of Transport and Main Roads has really really helped my career. I've done some work for Gold Coast University Hospital and I feel like I'm getting better at planting my name in different areas just so they know. So And you're still
0: at uni? I That's still amazing. Am at uni. Yeah.
1: And so then I found out about MFO as well, so Multicultural Families Organisation. So I did some volunteer work for them and they found me through Headspace. And for this particular politician, I'd met them once before briefly, but then In the work I do, it's lots of community engagement. So marketing done, but more physically. And I happen to see them at these community events because, again, we both want to help the same people. And just the regular interactions. And then it was kind of like, oh, let's catch up for coffee. Coffee never happened until it was, hey, like, we're considering having this role in the office. Would you be interested? And that kind of sparked the discussion there. So it's, um, it's really amazing how... People can just kind of remember what you do because if you do it for a good cause or it's something you're passionate about, like I just love marketing because I feel like it helps so many people, that might be social marketing actually, (laughs) and someone noticed me somewhere and said, hey, we want that to happen for us too.
0: You've clearly made an impact and doors opening from that, which is wonderful and clearly you've found your niche in life. Mm -hmm. But what do you think the secret is to that? You ever thought about why it is?
1: I think it's confidence. I used to lack a lot of confidence. Even if my work was great, I'd really sit back and question it. Um, I have this quote that's now my favorite quote. It's very TED Talkish. <laughs> it goes, you miss 100% of the chances you don't take, which means I used to always say, nah, I'm not going to apply for this because I won't get it anyways. But then again, my mum helped me realize, well, if you're not going to get it anyways, why not just apply and just see? because you've already prepared for failure, so why not just do it anyways for the funds? And once I just started being like, yeah, okay, well, it doesn't matter. If I've already conditioned myself to not get it, why not just apply and get the feedback? And actually, I got a lot of things to apply. (laughs) Um, Or even just like pushing myself to go to things that I know would make me uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable has helped me grow because when you're comfortable, I feel as though you're not learning new skills. So when I've done those campaigns for the government, I was so um, – I was very shy. I was very nervous about, like, meeting other industry professionals. But it's been so amazing. And I'm so grateful for that experience.
0: Were you worried yeah. that you were out of your depth, that you didn't have the marketing expertise oh, to 100%, do
1: 100%. I always chuck myself out in the deep zone with no floaties. <laughs> <laughs> 100% I always – sometimes I feel as though I push myself a bit too much. But even if I feel as though I don't have a result that's good enough, I still have learned so much from what I can do and what I can't do. And that might be something I work on to improve later.
0: You said your mum encouraged you to go for those opportunities, even if you thought that you weren't going to get anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure it was more than your mum. You said that you were very shy, you lacked confidence. Mm -hmm. So what was it? What was it that flipped? What was it that changed that allowed you to push and continues to allow you to push yourself out of your comfort zone Mm.
1: I think it might just be well this might not sound too great is that I can fake confidence so even though I may not always be feeling confident I can act like I am and people like confidence if you speak confidently if you speak openly and you act friendly or you are friendly people like that and um, some days I bet There's always people that wish, oh, I said this differently or I did that differently. But um, I'm always like, oh, well, like I did it. I tried. That's just what it is. And through acting confident, I did build a lot of confidence in myself. So Real confidence. Yeah, real confidence has been built through that. Before, I just didn't know how to, how to, I guess, be perceived as serious. I was like, you know, the thing where it's like, oh, I'm just a teenager and no one listens. I went through that emo phase too. Don't (laughs) worry. (laughs) But um I told myself, I'm going to walk into this room, I'm going to be taken seriously, so I'm going to act professional even though I'm not. (laughs) And I got treated professionally and I learnt through different ways of interacting, which ways worked, which ways didn't. And now I'd say about 95% of the time I am confident. The other 5% is still me acting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of people though listening to this right now still thinking... What gave you the chutzpah to just fake that confidence in the first place and mm. step out and do that from someone who's so shy, oh. someone who doesn't have a lot of friends, yep. someone who's lacking that confidence? Mm. I want to know how you did that. Mm-hmm. Was okay. it like a whole bunch of like self-help books or oh, TED gosh, talks? Oh no. I or... wish it
1: was. The way I got there was probably the <laughs> roller coaster clown ride, like. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a circus up Crash here, honestly. Crash and burn, to smash your way through. Um, this is going to sound pretty, I guess, bad. And I want people to not feel the way I did. Coming to Australia, one of the culture shocks was that people start working very young here. Um, it might just be retail jobs, especially in towns, where I think at, like, 14 or 15, people already have, like, like established retail roles or working at KFC or Maccas or Woolworths. But in my culture... You don't really work. Even at university in Mauritius, like you say with your parents, it's after you finish university you get a good stable job and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, In England as well, maybe more so in college you start working, but not high school. And I guess the more I got into business, the more they say people value experience, people value those that have worked before. And I was very young when I thought of this. I think about between the ages of 16 and 18, I realised I was... Well, I felt as though I was already behind because I didn't have the working experience or the networks because I've just moved here. Well, not just, but I'm new to different places.
0: It was a new culture. You were still finding it
1: Yeah. I didn't have the connections people did and, well, how's I going to find a job? And this was, like, at 18, I was really stressed about this. And then it got worse at the age of 19 to 20 when COVID hit and people were just getting let go. I didn't have a job, but I saw people left and right being let go. And I was like, if they're being let go, if they can't find jobs... How would me, like a second-year uni student with no experience at all, how would I find a job because I'm getting close to graduation and I'm coming of age to get a job? And I was like, can't rely on my mum's money forever. And then that's when I pushed myself to do the internship with Headspace. I was like, well, I'll get the experience firsthand. I was like, mum, I'm sorry. I'm going to still be on your salary for a little while longer, but this will help me. Um, so that was
0: like your first real job, the internship yeah, with Headspace? Yeah, it
1: was... Um, so it was Headspace first that helped me. And then I just said, well, you know what? This is not okay. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna be on the sidelines. If I can't have the experience, and at that point I didn't have any experience, if I can't have the experience, I'm going to do what I do best and network and talk because I can talk just to the right people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what um, it pushed me that if this is my skill, then I'll capitalize on it.
0: That's extraordinary. When you look back, and this is only in the last couple of years, of where you've gone, mm-hmm. the incredible divergent trajectories, <laughs> and you're still at uni, mm-hmm. do you kind of look back and go, wow, how did I do that? Or- yes, I
1: do. <laughs> I do every day, actually. Sometimes when I do really cool things at work, again, I get that satisfaction through all my workplaces, marketing, no two days are the same. So when I do really cool events, I'm like, whoa, Like I'm out here doing this. Who would have thought, like, especially me two years ago during the pandemic or the peak of the pandemic, struggling to understand how I was going to make it. But now having, like, five jobs and running all these events. And I'm like, wow, like, I don't know how I got there. I feel like luck and confidence and networking has driven me into places I probably would not have even dreamed of.
0: Uh, What would you say to someone listening to this and thinking, oh, yeah, but she's clearly got a lot of talent or... Uh, at least a very innate sense of what works in terms of social media, which has been a huge mm-hmm. bonus for you pursuing a career in marketing. But what would you say to someone who's really struggling in a similar position mm-hmm. and thinking, how do I do this? You yeah. talked about faking confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you think anyone can do that?
1: I feel as though anyone can.
0: Fake it until you can make it, basically. Fake
1: it till you make it. I yeah. think also find what really makes you happy and people might take that the wrong way in terms of Sometimes the things that make you happy may not drive your career, um, but find something that makes you happy and try and find successful pathways through that. So who would have thought me making funny jokes on the internet would have driven such a successful marketing career? And I think also have some confidence in yourself in terms of your talent. So even if you don't project this outwards, just recognize that you're a pretty awesome person. Still to this day, some days I'm like, oh, a bit of that imposter syndrome, you know, you don't really think you're that great, but other people see more worth in you than you do in yourself. And if you can just project a bit of confidence and show that talent, you could help expand it because I obviously wasn't this great a couple of years ago, but someone saw talent in me in Headspace and helped me evolve that to now that I can project my own talent and I can showcase this to future employers.
0: Was that a particular person, like a mentor at Headspace that took you under their wing?
1: It was my... so. My manager now, but she was the one running the internship, and um, she used to always tell me, "She's like, wow, you're so great." And I remember being like, "What's with this lady?" I'm like, <laughs>
0: "What's she do- seeing that I can't see?" Like,
1: I just did the most basic thing. I was like, "It's not that great." And she's like, "No, this is so awesome," and she'd always um, be there. She's like, "If you ever need a chat, let me know." She's like, "Hey, this opportunity is coming up. Like, what would you think about this?" Or sometimes when you have events happening at Headspace that don't really relate to my job. She'd be like, this is happening. Do you think like you'll be able to make it? Or how would you be able to participate in this event? And that's helped me too.
0: What did Griffith teach you that you didn't already innately understand about social media and marketing per se? Mm.
1: Griffith has taught me how to use it in a business aspect. Again, social media is very personal to me. Even working through Headspace, I used kind of like my, my own language and my own creativity to help guide that. But for more of the other places I work, you have to be a bit more corporate about it, a bit more branded. And just helping me understand how to weave like my creativity with also like corporate culture or corporate needs. And um, Griffith has been great. <laughs> I think Griffith, the internships they've offered in particular, that's like a complete reason for my success as well.
0: They helped you get the internship at Headspace? Yes. Yep. Right.
1: So I've done, I think... Three internships through Griffith and that's really like I recommend if if financially you're available to do that do the internships through Griffith I did the one with Headspace with them and I did the executive position at the Gold Coast Hospital and realistically at the age of 21 when would I be an executive at a hospital
0: executive marketing role
1: it was actually executive business advisor
0: executive business advisor Mm. at 21
1: yeah and so it's incredible that, just having that on my resume, and again, I know a lot of people can't afford to have unpaid internships, but if you can spare it for a course at uni, it will help you grow so much, like so, so much. I, I feel like I sound like those really like happy student ambassadors that they have on the uni ads, but, like, really, it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're just a walking, talking marketing <laughs> campaign for I'm, yourself, that's aren't That's you? what I said at the start. I'm a
1: marketing nerd. I'm like a speaking ad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, uh, miss speaking ad. You finish at the end of this year at Griffith? Is that right? Uh,
1: no, end of next year.
0: So come the end of next year when this is all done and dusted, you're, mm-hmm. you've got your double master's degrees mm-hmm. in international business and marketing. Do you think you'll be straight off like a shot to some fabulous foreign destination or do you think that you'll pursue more opportunities here on the Gold Coast first?
1: I honestly have no idea. I used to always have everything planned out. Again, I don't like uncertainty. But some of the best things that's happened to me have been unplanned. And so where I thought I'd end my bachelor's and straight up move to Asia and try and pursue a career in either China or Korea, business capitals, I've kind of decided to extend my study and focus on some roles here and gaining experience. But after I finish my master's degree, who knows? <laughs> I recently went to Vietnam through a business uh, business study tour, sorry, and maybe now Vietnam's a way for me to explore business there or employment.
0: You saw the opportunities. I
1: saw the opportunities. I saw the culture that I, I loved. Vietnamese culture is a mix between Australia and Mauritius for me, the niceness of the people and just... The food. (laughs) The food, of course. Yeah, I just, I don't know, actually. You
0: say you like to map everything out, but you haven't mapped out these amazing opportunities that have come along in your life. Those doors have just opened for you.
1: Yeah, they have. Um,
0: That must do your head in.
1: That does my head in. (laughs) Especially my role with um, the electorate office. That wasn't planned at all. just kind of happened, and I said yes, because I'm open to opportunities. And I think for me now, it's to really nail down how many things I say yes to now but as I'm starting to realize a lot of the good things that's happened to me have been just out of opportunity out of chance really now I think I'm starting to map out my future a little less I'm more open to whatever comes my way that goes for friendships as well you've seen my social circle was, is so large now it's because I'm so open to people whereas before I was very like this is how I must interact with this person so now I'm just like I'm just chilling I'm just (laughs) vibing
0: just chilling just vibing she says with a laugh that relaxed vibe and that laugh say it all really but I doubt that Twisha would have been anywhere near as content with her lot in life just a few years ago it's amazing what a difference a positive shift in your focus can make I mean look at all those opportunities how many jobs is Twisha holding down at the moment I've lost track. I can't keep up. And she still has another 18 months to go before she graduates. Twisha really is an exceptional young woman. You know, I've heard so many incredible stories since I started this podcast just over two years ago, and it never ceases to amaze me how extraordinary our students are. The curious thing is that almost all of them don't believe their stories are that remarkable. They're just doing whatever it takes to live strive and survive as they chase their dreams. If you'd like to discover more of their stories in this series, you'll find them at www.studygoldcoast.org.au podcast. My name is Trevor Jackson, and I'll catch you next time for Tomorrow is Mine.